Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed, alleluia, just to be clear on that one. Last week was the second Sunday of Easter, and in our gospel lesson, we saw that Jesus appeared to his disciples on Easter Sunday. And then again, the following Sunday, he appeared to his disciples, this time including Thomas. Now we come to a third account of the risen Jesus Christ coming to his disciples. This time, they've gone back to fishing, and they're out there fishing, and here he comes to the seashore. Well, at least they were attempting to fish, I should say. And they had been out all night producing nothing, and it comes to daybreak, and there's still nothing. Children, do you have any fish? Jesus says to them. Cast the net on the right side of the boat. You're going to find fish there. And of course they did cast on the right side, and they did find fish, so many fish that they couldn't bring them all in. I mean, the nets, they they didn't even pull the nets onto the boat. They basically brought the boat back, dragging the net along with it, with the fish. And at this sign, we read that that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, he doesn't refer to himself. He, he, He always says the disciple whom Jesus loved. Um, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. Simon Peter here was so eager to get to Jesus that he just jumped right into the water and swam back to shore while the others brought the boat back with them and with the the catch. Now, you might recall that Jesus Uh, When Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? It was Simon Peter who confessed him to be the Christ. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. In fact, for this confession that Simon, son of John, made, Jesus gave him the name Peter, which means rock. And it's because of this confession. This confession is, in fact, the rock upon which the church is built. Christ, of course, is the rock upon which the church is built. But it's the confession that Simon Peter made. You are the the Christ, the son of the living God. That confession is the rock upon which the church is built. And Jesus told Simon Peter in that occasion, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you but my father who is in heaven. Also, you may recall that there were only three apostles chosen to come with Jesus to the Mount of Transfiguration. Simon Peter was one of them. Prior to the arrest of of Jesus, Simon Peter imagined himself to to be really something, something special. The great apostle, the rugged fisherman, Simon Peter. You might recall this episode, which I'll read from Luke's 22nd chapter. And this was just just after the Last Supper, before Jesus went to the garden to pray. Simon, Simon, behold, this is Jesus speaking to Simon Peter. Behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. 
But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Of course, you all know that Peter would go on to deny Jesus three times. Not once, not twice, but three times he would deny Jesus and then the rooster would crow. Jesus would, meanwhile, go before Pilate. He would be tortured and crucified, and he would die without Simon Peter by his side. Imagine for a moment Simon Peter's remorse. Simon Peter, the one who said, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. But indeed, he was not ready. Despite all this big talk, He did not come through. And that's weighing on him. He's got that. He knows this about himself. If it was you that let down a friend in this way, uh, if it's you that was let down by a friend in this way who denied you and watched you suffer, you'd probably kick him to the curb, shake the dust off your feet move on. I mean, really, who needs friends like that anyway, that will say one thing and then do the other? Oh, I got your back. No, I don't. That's not how Jesus operates, though. He lives to forgive and to restore. That's the way Jesus operates. He lives to forgive and to restore. So here we are, a certain number of days since the resurrection on Easter Sunday. It's more than a week. We know that because he appeared to the apostles and the disciples with Thomas a week later. And this has come after that. So it's later than a week, but it's less than 40 days. And we know that because Jesus ascended on for after 40 days. So it's somewhere in between that where he appears to them for this third time. And Jesus has been preparing not just for his glorious death and resurrection, but for the propagation of the gospel that Jesus Christ has died for your sins and that in him you have forgiveness and new life. And so recall his words to Simon Peter. I have prayed for you, Simon Peter, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus prayed for him because he knew Simon Peter was going to let him down. And he knew that he was still going to rely on Simon Peter to be an apostle and to share the faith. So now it comes the time for Jesus to restore Simon Peter to this office and to this task. So now we come to these questions that he asks Simon Peter, and they're often misunderstood. So I want to walk through them and make sure that this is clear. It's not clear It's really not clear reading this only in English. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? First of all, he calls him son of John. That's Jesus' words. 
John, recounting this, says, when they had finished breakfast, breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter. But now Jesus' words were, Simon, son of John. It's subtle, perhaps, but it's interesting. He says, son of John. He's not calling him the rock anymore. And then when he says, do you love me more than these? What he's saying is, Simon, you see your your brothers with you, other disciples, apostles. But do you love me more than they do? Because there was a time when Simon Peter would have said, of course I do. (laughs) Of course I do. Oh, he was confident. No. Do you think that you love me more than the other disciples do? We also have to understand that there's different types of love. For example, you love your wife. You love your mom and your brother. But these are all different types of love. You may even say that you love your job or spicy food or roller coasters. But again, those are different types of love. Well, in Greek, there are different words that they use to describe different types of love. And here, that's exactly what's going on. Jesus asks the question, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? And agape is a, is a love that is uh, not, it, it's not it, it pays no respect to the, the subject of the love. Okay, so like, for example, agape is the type of love that you can have as a Christian that you can have for your enemies. You love them. You agape them. You you love them because we are called to love our enemies. It's a deep and abiding love. And actually, this this word agape was really kind of seldom used in, in the Greek, but because of the way Christians used the word and applied it to this deep, steadfast, abiding love that God has, the word actually took the meaning that, that, we, that, it, that it took on from there. It's, it's like a special kind of love that exists between God and his people, that people, that Christians can share for one another. Even when you sit here and you say, I love my brother, but man, I could strangle him sometimes. You know, you still have that Christian love for each other. And that's agape. And Jesus is saying, Peter, no, sorry. He's not even saying Peter. He's saying, Simon, do you agape me? Now, Simon's response is, yes, Lord, you know that I philo you. Philo is a different kind of love. Philo is more like brotherly affection. The city of Philadelphia, you know, it's a city of brotherly love, which maybe it's not. I don't know. I I like Philadelphia. But anyway, it is the the word, though, means city of brotherly love, because that's what philo means. It's it's affection. It's brotherly love. Um, You don't have brotherly love for your enemies or for your Christian brothers and sisters necessarily. But maybe you do. But one thing that's clear is that Philo is a lower form of love. So in our passage, Jesus says, Peter, Simon, Simon, do you agape me? And Peter answers, Simon Peter answers, 
Yes, Lord, you know that I philo you. This is actually a, it's a a humble response. And, And the idea of, do you love me? Do you agape me more than your uh, uh, brothers? And he's saying, no, no, I don't agape you. I philo you. I don't, I, I, no, I don't reach that higher love that you're calling me to. I don't do that. It, it, is, it is a confession that he's making. I philo you. And I'm not even going to mention me in comparison to my brothers because I know the failure that I was. I know that I told you I would go to die for you and I didn't do it. So no, Jesus, no, I don't agape you. I wish I could say I do, but I can't because I don't. And you know that I philo you. You know me. This is all wrapped up into this response here. And it comes a second time. Do you agape me? Jesus asks him and he says, Lord, I philo you. Now the third time Jesus asks the question. This time Jesus says, it's not the same question. It's a different question each time. First it's, do you agape me more than these? Then it's, do you just agape me? Not even more than them, but do you agape me? And each time, the answer is, yes, I, yes, I philo you. I don't agape you, but I philo you. Now it comes to the third time, and Jesus says, do you even philo me? Now he uses, Jesus uses the term philo. Do you even philo me? Simon, do you even have affection for me like you say you do? And that's why it, the text says that Simon was hurt by this. Because it's hurtful, because he's saying, I, I feel you. But Jesus now is even calling that into question. Do you even feel me? And Simon Peter's hurt by that. He says, you know everything, Jesus. You know everything. And you know that I do feel you. And that's where it's that's where it's left there with with Simon Peter. He says, yes, I do feel you, Jesus. Now, each time that he says this, we have to see that Jesus is actually in the process of restoring Simon Peter because Simon Peter has a, he, he is going to be commissioned for a great task. And so Jesus is commissioning him for this task. What did Simon Peter do after denying Jesus three times and Jesus was crucified, died, buried, and rose from the dead? He's appeared to the disciples twice now. And what's Simon Peter doing? He's out fishing. And Jesus comes to him to say, no, I got something else for you, buddy. And I'm going to restore you to the office that you need to have. But first... He needs to, there's a process of restoration, which, which requires repentance. And because repentance is the true fruit of faith. The fruit of our faith is repentance. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. 
And that is Peter right here. He has that broken and contrite heart as he confesses to Jesus. You know, Jesus, I don't love you as I ought, but you know that I love you. It's kind of like um, the, you'll recall the father who, who prayed earnestly to Jesus to heal his uh, son who was uh, uh, plagued by a demon, a demonic possession. And Jesus said, if you have faith. And, and the father said, I believe, help my unbelief. You know, it, yes, I do believe. Yes, Jesus, I do Do I do it perfectly? No, I don't. So help me. Help me because I don't do it as I ought. This is why we confess our sins. Not so that we get a savage backhand and be kicked to the curb. If if that's the God that, if that's who God is, we wouldn't come up here and confess our sins. We'd be running away from this place as fast as we could. If there was perchance some way we could escape him and his wrath. But that's not who God is. God says, come to me with your broken and contrite heart. Oh, oh, Simon Peter, Mr. Bold, do you agape me as you know you ought to? After all, you have seen that all that the scriptures said has been fulfilled and I have risen. And you are, uh, you have a front row seat to this, Simon Peter. And Simon Peter says, You're right, but there's something wrong with me. I do love you, but just not as I ought to. And Jesus says, great, I have something for you to do. And what does he do? He says, feed my lambs. He gives them three different answers. I mean, three different tasks. Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. These are three different responses. They look the same, just like the questions. The questions look the same, but they're not. They're a little different. And the response, the the commissioning is a little different. Feed my lambs. These are the young ones. These are the infants in the faith. Feed them. Give them that milk that they need, that they come to the faith. Tend my sheep. My sheep is all of those who believe, you know, the sheep would be everyone, all believers. And he's saying, tend them, watch out for them. Don't let them fall astray. And then finally, feed my sheep, give them mature food. They've graduated from the milk. Give them the the mature food that they need. And with these words of commissioning, Jesus restored Simon Peter to the office of apostle. And notice that Simon Peter is not the apostle par excellence. Okay? He was not commissioned to be the earthly leader of the church as the Roman Catholic Church incorrectly teaches, which they do. You know, Simon Peter is the true, like this, the seat of Simon Peter is the, the true seat of authority of the church. That's how they develop their, their uh, theories on the Pope and the Pope speaking for the church because he's sitting in the seat of Simon Peter and all that. The opposite is happening here. Jesus is taking Simon Peter and saying, you're not the apostle par excellence. You're an apostle just like them. You have a special calling and a gifting, but that doesn't put you up here. You're here with your brothers and you have a job to do. I mean, we have to be clear about that. Now, the other thing that Jesus says is, 
this calling that I'm giving you is going to have some earthly consequences. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Now we have a little footnote here in parentheses that that is in the text that John is saying, this Jesus said to show uh, by what kind of death Simon was to glorify God. Simon's going to be crucified. That's what Jesus is saying. But notice that he says when you were young, and then he talks about when you're older. So Simon, Jesus is basically saying, Simon, you're going to have a period of ministry. And at the tail end of that ministry, you're going to walk just like I did, and you're going to be crucified. And Jesus says, follow me. Follow me in this. And praise be to God that Simon Peter did. That, that rugged fisherman who was so sure of himself, who was brought down to the point of having a contrite heart, was restored and built back in such a way that he indeed went to his own crucifixion. The... Um, Church historians record that Simon Peter, and so it's, it's captured in church tradition, not in the scripture, which makes sense because our scriptures were written before Simon Peter was crucified. You know, that most of the New Testament was written before 60 AD, and, that's, and Simon Peter was crucified somewhere around 60, between 60 and 64 AD. So, so it's not recorded in, the, in those scriptures, but in the church tradition, it's, it's recorded that, that Simon Peter was crucified and he said, upside down, I'm not fit. I'm not worthy to be crucified as my Savior was. But it's also recorded that his wife was crucified first. Can you imagine? He was made to watch his own wife's crucifixion and then he was crucified. <clears throat> Do you repent of your sins? Can you stand before God with a broken and contrite heart and simply ask for mercy? Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you and you know that I don't love you as I ought. That's our confession. I mean, that, that is, that's it. In a nutshell, that's our confession. Lord, you know that I love you and you know that I don't love you as I ought. And the good news is that Jesus hears that confession and he absolves you of all your sin. That's the good news. In your baptism, God the Father has claimed you as his child. God the Holy Spirit has been given to you for faith. That faith is not your own doing, just as Jesus said to Simon Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. That faith that you have, that is a gift of God. That is the Holy Spirit working in you and working that faith. Repentance is a work that God is doing in you. It's a work of faith that God does in you to bring you to the point of repentance. God the Son, most of finally, I should say, God the Son has given himself as a ransom for your sin. You're forgiven. 
restored. You are all forgiven and restored. Thanks be to God. The peace of God which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.